Why is this swing the easiest swing for seniors, in your view? I've studied quite a lot of different methods, dare we say. And I would say this is the easiest swing on a person's body. It doesn't add stress and strain to the body. If anything, it almost lubricates the body, uh, enables people to move so much, so much more naturally, I would say. The Senior Golfer Advisor. Dedicated to helping you, the senior golfer, drive it longer, play better, get healthier, and enjoy the game. I'm your host, Dean Davison. Let's get started. Well, welcome, senior golfers. And today I'm excited to have a guest from the Easiest Swing. Easiest Swing for Seniors, it's often called, but it's the Easiest Swing. And you might recall back in April when we were a young and uh, fledgling podcast, we had on our show the founder of Easiest Swing, Brian Sparks. And Brian did a great job of providing some context for the Easiest Swing and why it's so effective and why it's particularly effective for senior golfers. So I wanted to dig deeper into that today, and I thought, who better to do that than one of Brian's... uh, actually licensed coaches, one of his, I think one of his original licensed coaches or sort of early on licensed coaches, who uh, is one of my favorites on YouTube. This uh, gentleman, uh, Julian Miller is his name, Julian Miller. We'll give him a chance to talk more in just a second, but he has a ton of videos on YouTube, very, very well done and very descriptive in terms of all the different ways you can apply the easiest swing to the many different types of shots that you have to make in golf. So we'll get into that. Welcome, Julian. Glad to have you on the show. Nice to be on the show, Dean. And you're coming from where today? So I'm from a place near Stratford-upon-Avon, which is uh, William Shakespeare country. So right in the middle of the UK. Right in the middle of the UK. So if you haven't had a chance to go, uh, you'd fly into London. And how far to get to your place? No, you wouldn't fly into London. You'd fly into Birmingham. Ah, Birmingham. Birmingham okay. is some 25 minutes from, from where I live. So you can fly into London, definitely, but Birmingham's even closer. Birmingham's the way to go if you're going to fly. Terrific. So uh, tell us a little bit about the journey that got you into teaching and, and ultimately the easiest swing. How I actually got into becoming an easiest swing coach was through Twitter, of all things. Twitter, of all things, <laughs> so, yeah. Through Twitter. A mutual friend of Brian Sparks. And myself is a guy called Peter Allen, who in Brian's book is called Pete the Butcher. Um, (laughs) And Peter was a member of the golf club I was a pro at. And I put a special offer on Twitter, as all pros do, discounted golf lessons, so on and so forth. And Peter messaged me back off Twitter. He says, whatever you're doing tomorrow morning, cancel it and come and see me at nine o'clock. We need to chat. (laughs) <laughs> I, I respect Peter, he's a very, very successful businessman. And we went to chat and he, he duly told me off for devaluing my brand. He says, don't ever do that again. Take that off Twitter and go meet Brian Sparks. What he's doing in the world of golf is absolutely fantastic. So he put Brian and I together. Uh, we went to a lovely golf club. We had nine holes. We had lunch. And then Brian came to the venue where I used to coach and started to show me how the easy swing works. And within, I would probably say, eight shots, I was hooked. Wow. I couldn't believe it, it could fast. be that different. Yeah. And then it took me a while to become a licensed coach, learn or change from being a teacher to a coach, which was a hugely different skill for me, and and now I fully understand the value of coaching. Yeah, it's incredible. And almost the rest is history, as they say. The rest is history. Five million, I think you were telling me, five million YouTube videos since. Uh, the rest is history. Well, views. Views, views. views. Videos, yeah. <laughs> let's five let's, let's be clarify that. <laughs> You're a hardworking guy, but you're not that hardworking. <laughs> We can try, but I don't think <laughs> I might run out of subject by that. Yeah, I think so. <laughs> you mentioned the journey from teacher to coach. I definitely want to get into that. We'll get into that in a little a little bit later. But the easiest swing has been described as the easiest swing in golf and the easiest swing for seniors. So let's dive into that. Why is this swing the easiest swing for seniors, in your view? I've studied quite a lot of different methods, dare we say. And I would say this is the easiest swing on a person's body. It doesn't add stress and strain to the body. If anything, 
it almost lubricates the body, enables people to move so much, so much more naturally, I would say. I get to coach a lot of people now. And I would say what we enable people to do is discover their natural golf swing. When it's natural, generally, it's that bit easier. It's not just do this, do this, and you'll have an easy golf swing. It's an understanding of how to move your body efficiently and effectively. It becomes easy, but it also becomes incredibly efficient and effective. That's the most important thing with it. Well, that sounds exciting. So let's let's talk about that. What differentiates it the most from the way golf is taught mostly in terms of PGA pros today? The modern swing is definitely about power. As soon as I put a video on YouTube that mentions distance, the views go up like you wouldn't believe. And then if we put one on there that we know will make a fundamental difference to a people, hardly anybody looks at them. So there's definitely a, a search and a thirst for distance on YouTube. There's, that's obsessed. Obsessed. We're obsessed, obsessed with distance. Yeah, totally. So we know that that is a valuable commodity almost. So if I put distance in the title, we know we're going to get more views. But what sets it apart is how we work with a person's body rather than against a person's body, which is how golf is very much taught through resistance, and building up what they call torque in the golf swing and then using the power muscles in the body to create certain positions that create speed and, and distance and so on and so forth. But what I found when, when I changed from where I was to where I am now, my swing speed went up by five miles an hour. <laughs> by allowing my body to move much better. Um, so It went it up, went you're up. saying. I got it quicker. Increased. I got okay. quicker. Which I was slightly shocked at, and I because I, I saw a, a change in distance on the practice ground, but then I measured it on a, a measuring device, and I was quite surprised that it had actually gone up. Why? That doesn't make sense. If we're obsessed with power and we're doing all the things to try to create power, that's how the modern swing is taught, how in the world could something so easy yield just as much distance? What I found is... It's based around six principles, which you, you may or may not have come. I'll just broadline them quickly. So it's turning the body from right back to left. So it's a turn, not what we call a tilt. Then there's a movement of your weight, what we call a weight shift from right foot to left foot, if you're right-handed. And then we've got rhythm. Everybody has a natural rhythm, and what we tend to do is work with that rather than try to alter it, dare we say. So we all want a natural rhythm. But it's the fourth thing that I would say that's made the biggest difference to me and the people that help, which is called coordination. And coordination really is club and body working in the same direction at the same time. As opposed to, you may or may not have heard of a thing called a reverse pivot, where the weight might go forward as you're swinging back and then it alters. So you're never actually um, working the club and your body together. Now, if we think of a boxer, for instance, they wouldn't stand still and just use their arm and their fist. They would involve the body and the arm and the fist, and then it becomes incredibly efficient. So that's what we enable people to do, to work the club and the body much, much more efficiently but also because we don't put restrictions in there from the ground, where, again, the modern golf swing is very much restricted from the ground up, we allow natural movement of the body, allowing the left foot to move freely, actually gives people a wider golf swing. And again, I've measured this with people. That's quite extraordinary how, how that changes. And then ultimately you end up with more momentum momentum is giving almost this effortless speed uh, it's fascinating how it all works it does sound fascinating you mentioned there were six of these what are the other two so the other two are balance very underestimated balance you often see people staying in balance which i would say is a modern way of swinging the golf club but not actually moving in balance and there's a huge difference between the two and then the final word that we use is souplesse which is a french word and it means almost to be supple and relaxed 
But I actually had a, a gentleman from France who came over to me who's very much into the cycling uh, world. And it's a, a term that they use in cycling, and it's how they move the pedals on a bicycle. And it's flow. So you, you, you want your pedals to flow round in a nice circular ocean rather than push, 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 get that lovely flow in action. So it, it fits in incredibly well with, with what we do. So you stay very relaxed, you're coordinated, you're making natural rhythm, and you're shifting your weight while you're turning. All of this can lead to more distance. It does, and greater accuracy, which is... Oh yeah, let's not forget that. <laughs> which is also a very <laughs> nice byproduct. <laughs> yeah, we don't want to be pounding it down the fairway and, and finding it in the woods. But let's talk a little bit about when a senior golfer comes to you for a lesson... What are the typical challenges they're trying to solve? I mean, you've got to think of a body that's starting to age. It's going to have natural resistance in there, isn't it? So ankles, replacement knees, replacement hip joints, lots of lower back issues that we see, thoracic issues through the shoulders, <laughs> neck, wrists, hands, arthritic hands, Jupitrons in the hands. So how in the world do any seniors even swing the golf club with all of that? But you're right. This, this is so true. And I had, I had one gentleman who was born with a spinal condition. And at a, a fairly young age, he had to have a metal rod inserted through his spine from the neck right down to the base just to keep him upright. And he'd been for a lesson with, a, with his local pro. And the guy was trying to get him to keep his head down, <laughs> as they, they often do. And, and this gentleman said, look, if I do that, I am going to break my back. And he says, well, you know, we have to keep your eye at the back of the boy. He says, I can't do it. I'm going to break my back. And after 15 minutes, he had to leave the lesson because he was damaging this guy. And then he saw some of the videos on YouTube came along. And, and because we work with the person's body, he was able to play lovely golf. And another gentleman who'd had a terrible motorbike accident had a rod inserted in his left arm, which meant it was permanently bent. Again, been for a lesson with, uh, with his pro, and the pro was trying to get him to straighten his left arm. He couldn't physically straighten it. It had a rod in it. So what I've found has happened is a lot of people are searching to help with their golf swing. We know that. Um, they'll tell the person in front of them that I've got this issue. It creates this resistance. The person or the pro will listen to them, but then still make them want to do what they want them to do rather than working with their body. And you have to understand that people have got these natural resistances or natural body issues that you have to work with it not against it well you just brought up some very real issues that seniors face is that like you say the body's aging and sometimes uh, me medicine and modern medicine science has had to take over to enable the body to function so you've got that one end of the continuum and then you've got this other end of the continuum where I'll use myself as an example. I, you know, I was in the corporate world. I spent 40 years uh, sitting at a desk or traveling in a car or traveling on an airplane, sitting, sitting, sitting. And when I finally uh, retired and said, boy, I'm going to play some golf, my body just wasn't able to do what it, what I, <laughs> I thought it could do. And so I went into fitness. I started hurting myself. I tried to gain more distance through a more powerful swing. I started hurting myself. I was hurting myself left and right. And I think there's a lot of seniors out there that are similar to that. No, no major surgeries, perhaps, but just a body that's stiffened up. Yeah, built-in stiffness, isn't it? And unfortunately, that's the modern world, isn't it, that does that to us? You know, sitting at desks, sitting in the car. Exactly. So a senior comes to you and they want to try your approach. What's one of the first things you do with them? The first thing you do, you have to get their body into the best state where they can move freely. So let's think of the posture to start off with. Again, the modern way you're going to do it, you're going to stand up tall, relax your arms on your, on your chest that are now fully straight. You're going to bend forward from your hip joints until the club hits the ground. Then you're going to relax your knees and trying to keep that straight back and the 
the correct angles in the body. Now, as soon as you do that to somebody, you're already putting them in tension because you're going to bend over much more from your lower lumbar spine. And if your body is in tension and in pain, what is the first thing it's going to do when you start to swing the golf club? You'll come out of it. So you're going to start to stand up. So if we had a default setup, we would much prefer people to be stood taller to the golf ball and a little bit closer to it rather than standing too far away. That's going to enable a person to turn and weight shift much easier. So bending over too far will definitely cause an issue. And then the second thing that we do, we have a lovely saying, in, and it's awareness cures, trying fails. What we do is we help build awareness around things. And our number one enemy of the golf swing for us is tension. So if you've got too much tension initially in the grip as a good place to start, but then you have to think of forearms. So it generally goes from hands to forearms, forearms to shoulders, through the thoracic spine, down to the lower lumbar spine, uh, and into the legs. So if you can get a person into a setup where they are t almost tension-free, if you've got ailments, then you're probably never going to be tension-free, but to get them into the best state possible where they can move without any exertion and they can move freely. So standing up more upright like you would naturally do, it sounds like, Yeah. which doesn't often look like a modern-day position for golf, yeah. Uh, but that's one of the first things you'll work with. Definitely, because it's putting people into a, a place where they can move. Now, have you practiced La Danse de Golf, Dean? Well, uh, interestingly enough, I was working with the, these principles several years ago, and I still continue to use them a bit. But let's talk about that a bit, because that's one of the famous drills for easiest swing. So if you were to start to practice La Danse de Golf now, because you know how it moves, would you do that? standing nice and tall or would you do that bent over almost into a let's say a pitching wedge posture just naturally if you picked a club up to do it yeah well i've got a club right here as a matter of fact i'm going to try it so here we go and the mic it looks like it's long enough to stretch out here so yeah so i'm standing here i've got a club in my hands and i'm kind of holding it parallel to the ground and then walk me through from here are you now stood tall i'm standing straight not military straight, but I'm standing straight and relaxed. But standing upright, let's say standing more upright. So now if you do the turn right to left and allowing your ankles to move freely, so if you could just do that two or three times for me. Yeah, without bumping my club into the uh, cord here. Yeah, okay, I'm doing that. I'm turning kind of fully to the right and then fully to the left. And my feet, what I'm noticing, my feet are coming, my heels are coming up on both directions. Okay, and then in the follow-through, where are you looking? What can you see in front of you? Are you looking at the floor or are you looking at the, at the walls? I'm looking straight ahead, which would be the walls. Yeah, that's allowed your eyes now are moving correctly. So what you wouldn't do is now be staring at the ground, for instance. So on the follow-through, you wouldn't be keeping your head down. Can you now just do... Uh, La Danse de Golf, and look at the ground on the follow-through and see what happens, see how it feels. Okay, looking at the uh, ground. The ground and on the follow-through, how does that feel? Well, the first thing I notice is I've got a little bit what feels like tension in my lower right back. Yeah. Yeah, that's the first thing I notice. Okay, and now can you do La Danse de Golf and keep your feet still and your head still and see what happens then? Okay, I have a feeling this might hurt. Oh, yeah, definitely a lot of tension in the lower back and the same thing in the follow-through. Wow, big difference. I can hear it. I can yeah, hear, you it, hear it cracking? <laughs> <laughs> I heard some cracks there. Okay. Okay, so now allow your ankles to move freely and then look and face the wall on the follow-through, see what happens. Yeah, it's, uh, it's quite different. Yeah. This is what we call not good radio here. I'll try to describe what's happening. So I'm turning, I'm turning to the back, and I've got my, my hips quite open. My heel is off the ground. And then I turn forward, and uh, now I'm, my body is fully facing the target, wherever that target would be. And I notice my foot has just naturally come up. I can tap my toe, my back foot, my trail foot. Wonderful. 
So in our world now, six things have happened while you're doing that. So you've now, you've turned right and left. Your weight has moved from right to left. You'll have done that in a natural rhythm. So you probably weren't forcing it. It would be a nice flowing rhythm. You'll definitely be coordinated. It's not like as you're turning back, your weight's not gone forward, I guess. It should have moved to your right leg and not vice versa. So you'll be coordinating the movement. And on the finish, how's your balance? It was terrific. I I mean, I could have lifted my trail leg and stood on one leg very easily. Wonderful. So you've actually moved in balance. You've not what we call stayed in balance. There's a big difference between the two. And then suplesse. So it'll probably feel pretty relaxed and it'll have a nice flow to it when you're doing that. Well, the biggest thing that I noticed when you, you put those restrictions in was the strain that it had, particularly on my lower back. That's something that I think a lot of seniors deal with and have trouble with. That seemed to go away completely with that particular movement, that La Danse du Golf movement. Just before I started the easiest swing, and I'm pretty fit, you know, I keep myself quite active, but I had huge issues with my left knee, and I had a lot of issues with my lower back, to a point where I thought I might need a new left knee at some point in the future because it was so painful after literally 20 shots. And within two weeks of practicing La Danse de Golf, my knee stopped hurting, and more importantly for me, my back stopped hurting. But I thought it was a health issue, not a golf swing issue. And I very quickly realized it was my golf swing that was causing the issues, not, not my body. Yeah, often it is. And generally, if, if people practice this and rehearse this, I do it 100 times every day. I do it religiously in the morning, uh, and I demonstrate it often, as you can imagine. And, and I just don't have these ailments anymore. They've gone. La Danse du Golf is like the one drill, maybe if there was one drill you could do that would give you yes. all of these six principles yep. and be something that's uh, pretty natural, that teaches you the golf swing. So natural is just whatever enables you to get your hands on the club, on the grip. Yeah, definitely. Very, very rare would we change a person's grip. And in the past, I used to change everybody's grip because the book said you have to have a perfect grip. Not true, not true. Well, there are a lot of teachers that do uh, go there and they want that ideal grip for their type of swing, it sounds yeah, like. Yeah, absolutely, yeah. And if somebody's got um, arthritic hands or what we call Jupiter's contracti where the ligaments are starting to tighten up, they can't grip it uh, conventional. They have to find a way to hold the golf club. So again, you have to work with the person's body. So let me go back to distance, because in that La Danse du Golf, it seems pretty easy to do. It does feel like you're literally turning and dancing. And that still correlates to distance, including uh, hitting the ball further. Talk about that a little bit. Perfect. I'm going to ask you a question, Dean. Is there a difference between speed and effort? Yeah, I I would think so. Yeah. I mean, effort doesn't necessarily equal speed. So there could be a difference. So let's think about your muscles. In what state do you think they need to be to be at their most efficient? Relaxed or tense? Well, I think you're wanting me to go to relaxed. If we're thinking speed. Yeah, I'm immediately thinking about golf. So tend to be more relaxed. Yeah, I mean, I've seen people who are buffed out and they look like they've been lifting weights. They're extremely strong and (laughs) they end up hitting it about 150 yards. Let's think of, let's say, a 100-meter sprinter. Let's go to Usain Bolt. I think quite a few people have heard of Usain. Before he used to get onto the starting blocks, what would he be doing with his body? Be shaking it, shaking out the tension, I guess. Which enables him to move quicker, Mm -hmm. as we all know. So if we can get a person's body into a relaxed state, it becomes quicker. Your muscles will move quicker. Another way to think about this, let's say you, were, you had a towel, let's say a wet towel, and you were trying to make it snap and make a noise. If you, if you held that really tight and your hands were tight, your arms were tight, your shoulders were tight, and you put a lot of effort in, would, it, would that towel be moving quickly? Or if we were relaxed, would it have that snap to it? It's through the relax you get the snap, yeah. 
yeah, which naturally is going to increase a person's speed. So if we can get a body into a state where it can move efficiently without resistance, dare we say, and then if we can get the muscles into a good state where they can move quickly, club head speed will go up, thus distance is going to go up. And this is what we find happens. Okay, so I think that all makes sense. And you can start to visualize being relaxed and the arms are just sort of whipping through as you're making natural turns. That's what it seems like could happen. Is that right? That can definitely happen, yeah. Then we have a, a third thing, which is ultimately club head speed. We all need a little bit of club head speed. But what we enable people to do is discover where the best place is for speed. And we, we use a thing called a swing caddy, which is an absolute brilliant, brilliant piece of training equipment. It's like a shortish golf club, quite a flexible shaft with a device on the end that when you swing at a certain speed, it will click. And you can alter that. And what we ask people to do is, as coaches, we, we actually demonstrate this in front of them. We make three different golf swings. One is where we would make the click happen on the way down. So let's say at the start of the downswing. Then we'll do one where it clicks around about the golf ball. And then we'll do one where it clicks slightly in front of the golf ball. Okay, so as you think about the swing, one where it's more in the backswing portion. I know you're talking downswing, but it's it's before it arrives to the ball. Before before the ball, yeah. Then one at the ball and then one as you're as you're releasing it towards the, the target after the ball. So of those three, if you could choose one, which do you think would be best? Well, I think a lot of people might think it's at the ball. So I'll, I'll just go with that. So it's going to be fastest at the ball. That's where you want maximum impact. We actually want it fractionally after the ball. So if we can hit a ball with a club that's accelerating, it's better than when it's reached its max. And we certainly wouldn't want it to click before the ball because then it's going to be decelerating when it gets to the ball. Right, right. So we actually want it to be accelerating at its fastest fractionally after the golf ball. That's the best. And the, the swing caddy gives the instant feedback. You can actually hear it, and it will give you a very good idea where, where your club head is reaching its maximum speed. So that is a wonderful, um, wonderful way of doing it. So that tells me that it's not about hitting the ball. It's about swinging the club through the ball. Lovely. Yeah, absolutely. And you hear so many people, you know, you must hit down on the golf ball. It's just not true. We hit through the golf ball, but we want the club accelerating through the shot, not down into the ground. Then your energy is going into the floor, not through the golf ball and towards the target. So uh, <laughs> bear in mind, I used to hit down on the golf ball for 30 years. Well, you see these pros on, on the tournament. And they're just throwing out these huge divots. I could, you know, I'd like to collect a few for my yard because uh, <laughs> <laughs> we have some trouble, some dry spots here. There's a wonderful, very short interview on YouTube, and it's about Tiger Woods. We're not trying to get people to do what Tiger Woods does, but it's um, Darren Clark has been interviewed by a guy called David Fairty, and Tiger Woods always likes generally to practice at the end of the range. And Darren Clark, I believe, is quite a good friend of Tiger Woods. Not that I know either of them, but I believe they're good friends. And he said that he watched Tiger uh, practice for, for 30 minutes and he made, he flushed every single club in his bag. And if you could imagine a square about eight centimetres by eight centimetres, he said it's just like he'd used a pair of scissors and just trimmed the grass, yeah, beautiful, but divots. never took a divot, never took a divot. Almost like cut the grass and he flushed every single shot. In Darren's Clark, he's, I think he said it's the most remarkable thing he's ever seen in golf. Yeah. So Tiger Woods was not hitting down on the ball in that moment. <laughs> He was hitting through the golf ball. Coming in shallow a little bit, it seems. Your viewers should try and search that one out. It's just, it's Darren Clark and David Ferretti interview about Tiger Woods. It's only short, it's only a minute, minute and a half, but when I discovered that, I thought, wow, that, that's even more, more wood for the fire there. Brilliant. So we've talked about distance. Let's talk about accuracy or hitting it straight because uh, so many golfers, they hit it crooked. 
we're talking slices, we're talking pushes, we're talking uncontrolled fades, we're talking all kinds of things that don't let the ball go, go straight. How does the easiest swing help a senior golfer hit the ball straighter? It's very difficult to hit it dead straight. We all know that. What commonly happens when people start to move the way that we like them to do and they release the club efficiently, they end up hitting it with a soft draw which is really nice. And the reason that happens is we create awareness. So uh, awareness of the golf club, the head of the golf club, which so few people actually fully understand. They don't really know where it is. But if your grip is a little bit lighter, it gives you more feel and feel will give you uh, heighten your awareness. So they'll start to understand what the club head is doing. And then if we turn the club away, so we don't take the club away, you don't have to take the club back on a straight line, it comes on a natural arc around the body, therefore you're going to be striking the inside of the golf ball if you're moving well. And if your club face is starting to square up, that will produce a nice soft draw shot. But then if you were turning well, but then tighten the grip up. Imagine you start to hold the club really tight now, very difficult to release the club face. Then the club face tends to come in open. So the grip of the club leads the club face. You do that, it'll turn your club to the right and you'll start hitting those horrible shots out to the right. Then what happens when we're thinking of the shots that go left, and so many people have either heard it or said it or tried to do it to keep the head down, so if the head stays down, the body stops moving through impact, so it tends to pause, and then the, the golf club will overtake the body, turn left, and then you start to get those horrible pull shots. Deadly pull hook. The deadly pull hook, often caused by keeping the head down for way too long. Um, so what we want, as soon as you hit the golf ball, let your eyes go, let your body go. That will turn the golf club and you start hitting those lovely soft draw shots, which we know will gain a little bit of distance. Wow. So I'm imagining then the head is starting to turn towards the direction you're trying to hit the ball as soon as you're hitting it. Well, you could do it before there's some very successful golfers out there who've done it. So we could pick on David Duval. He definitely used to do it. Annika Sorensen, Henrik Stenson. Would you believe I've got a wonderful picture of Dustin Johnson doing it? You know, as soon as he's, he's actually just before he's made contact, his eyes are already starting to, to look towards target. So you can definitely do that. Yeah. So you're just allowing the body to move naturally. And that part of that is you're not resisting by holding your head fixated on the ground. You're allowing that to move with the body as you're swinging the club towards the target. Yeah. How, how many times have you ever heard this or said this? If only I could hit the golf ball with my practice swing. <laughs> well, I've said it many times. I'll say that. <laughs> okay. So when you're making a practice swing, are you looking at an object on the ground? Or are you just swinging freely? Usually just swinging freely. So if we allow the ball to get in the way of the golf swing and don't become obsessed with it, the movement patterns are so much better. So you'll, you'll turn much more naturally. You'll move much more naturally. So with, with all of that will lead to uh, better, better shots that go straight. Maybe not perfectly straight, but they're going to have that nice gentle draw or they're going to at least get close to where the target ultimately is going. And, and if you think of just a natural throwing action, Dean, what's the very first thing that you're going to do if you were going to throw a baseball? What's the very first thing that you'll do? First thing I'm going to do. Well, first thing I'm going to do is I'm going to look at where I want it to go. Yeah. Correct. And I'm going to and I'm going to keep my eyes on where I want it to go. So your eyes have, have actually turned your head and your head your body now is enabled to turn too. So now you can start to throw the ball, baseball to the walls of the batter. So it's an incredibly natural thing to do. Imagine throwing and keeping your head dead still. So how does that translate to the easiest swing? Uh, th one of the things that we can talk about briefly is how do you get set up so that you're lined up where you want the shot to go? If we had a default setup that, dare we say, isn't perfect, we would prefer people to be slightly closed in their setup rather than open. Okay. And why is that? It's going to enable a much better turn in your backswing. So if you could imagine, if you stood up now and aimed way left, 
so dare we say allowing for a, so if we were allowing for a slice okay, okay and, and then uh, start to turn in your backswing how much turn would you actually achieve if i was aiming left yeah okay well quite a bit so in your backswing so you've turned but actually how much have your hips and shoulders turned let's say in relationship to the ball well it seems like they've i've already sort of turned as i'm setting up closed right yeah so halfway there yeah, yeah yeah so now if i make my natural the la danse du golf i'm i'm very close but you probably have a lot greater turn of the hips and the shoulders. There. Yes, very much so. Yeah. So I think Brian probably said it in his, his last podcast, but uh, well, I think it was Bobby Jones who once said that one in 5,000 golfers turn enough. He did mention that. He's a big okay. fan of Bobby Jones. Yes. Yeah, yeah. So uh, turning is, is not the worst thing you can do in, in the golf swing. A little bit more turn is better than too little turn in, in my world. And how does that restrict you, if anything, in your follow through because you're so close, to, because you're more close to the target? A little bit close. But again, if you use your eyes correctly, that will help turn your head and your body will be able to turn, turn more freely through impact as well. And what we tend to see is a person's body looks much more upright when they've moved their eyes properly which is turning the whole body properly rather than bent over staring at that golf ball, which is putting your body in a, a restricted position, dare we say. Excellent. Well, I appreciate uh, going deeper into this and particularly just some of the simple things about setup and turn. Very, very helpful. Let, let's go back to what you were talking earlier, this journey that you personally had from teacher to coach. What, what do you mean by that? Teacher really is telling a person what to do. So I used to tell people what to do, put them in positions. Almost if they couldn't do it, that's not really my fault, which is so wrong. And coaching is very much about asking a question, a clever question that gets people thinking, and then they tend to work it out for themselves much better. Those light bulb moments when you suddenly, ah, now I've got it, rather than just put the club in this position. And we ask clever questions of people. Uh, and, and it varies per person. Let's think about the turning in the backswing. Rather than saying, okay, we need to turn, well, how much is enough turn? And we get them to discover it themselves. What's your limitation? Rather than going, you need to turn 45 degrees with your hips and 90 degrees with your shoulders. Well, what's your limitation? And get them to self-discover. Much, much more powerful. And... It was the hardest skill that I've ever learned. And Brian was an absolute master at getting me <laughs> to become a coach. And he, it was all about asking questions, find out what you've got to do. So I said to Brian, okay, what questions do I need to ask? He says, I don't know. What questions do you need to ask? <laughs> <laughs> a perfect response to that. And I, I go, and I'm not sure. He says, well, if you were sure, what would you ask? It's like, oh, God. <laughs> now I'm really having to think. So brilliant. Well, don't you find some students who just say, hey, just, just tell, tell, me what, tell me what to do here. I don't, I don't know. I'm too new at this. Well, I, I've got a great example of that. And I, I had one gentleman who actually came over from the States. And uh, he joined in a, a two-day course that I was running. And at one point, he got a little bit frustrated with me. So his immediate response to any bad shot is, why have I done that wrong? So I said to him, what do you have to do to do it right? He says, yeah, but what have I done wrong? I said, what do you have to do to do it? Oh, I've got to turn my body, okay. And then his next shot, why has that gone wrong? What do you have to do to do it right? He went, God damn it, will you just tell me what I've got to do? I says, well, what, what do you think you have to do to do it right? And probably I did this about five or six times and you could almost see the steam coming from his ears. And then he looked at me and laughed. He says, I get it. I get it. You're making me discover it, aren't you? I says, yeah. And at that point where he was starting to get frustrated, I could have bottled it and just told him. But I knew it was of no value to him if I'd have just told him. He had to learn. And then it was just sticking to your guns, asking good questions, because he knew what he needed to do. His default was to get the other person to tell him all the time. And when he learned what he had to do, the difference was incredible. Well, and you're right. It's not natural for human beings to constantly keep asking questions as opposed to telling. It's, it's easier to tell somebody. 
And I think that's the default many coaches go to. I gave a lesson fairly recently to, to some juniors. Uh, about seven or eight years old they are. They're the children of, uh, of a guy that I help. And uh, we were talking about the way that we swing in the backswing, for example. And a great thing that, that, again, I learned through Brian is I did three different backswings. One was way too upright, one was way too flat, and one was in the middle. And I just said to them, which one would you choose? And both of them said, straight, I'd choose number three. So I didn't tell them what to do. They already figured it out. And I said, well, can you demonstrate to me number three swing? And they not only demonstrated a lovely backswing, but they also naturally hit these lovely little soft shots uh, that they'd never done before. And I, I didn't tell them what to do. I just gave them a choice. It's a simple way, not necessarily easier, easier on the coach to be able to do this well, but it certainly is a simple way to understand your natural swing. Absolutely. You're so right, Dean. Yeah. I'll just share with you a nice little story. I went over to Palm Beach. It's like the Caddy Master. It's a really, really nice golf club. It's called Palm Beach Country Club. The Caddy Master is a big guy, a very low handicap, I think two handicapper, something like that. Pretty low. I could see him. It was quite a quiet time and I was just watching him. And he was on the practice ground hitting these shots and he was, he was putting into position after position. You know, it's always staged and working on each bit. And he was hitting it worse and worse and worse. And, uh, and I walked over to him and I said, do you mind if I ask you to do something? He said, sure, man. You know, what, what are you going to do? So instead of putting his golf club behind the golf ball, I moved it about 18 inches in front of the golf ball and above it. And I said, from here, just just hit the golf shot for me. And he swung back and he absolutely flushed this shot. When he went sailing down, he was only hitting a nine iron, he went sailing down there. He looked at me and I said, let's try something else. So again, rather than putting the, the club behind the ball, I just raised it above the ball about 12 inches. I said, just hit the golf ball from here. And he, and he again, he hit it beautifully. And then I moved it behind the golf ball, off the ground, probably 18 inches and I said you know just do another one and he and he flushed that one. and on the last one he was admiring the shot and he turned around and I'd walked off oh. <laughs> and he says man where are you going come back man come back man. <laughs> we need what have you just done to me I says I've got to go now I'm going to see Stuart and I didn't tell him what I'd done uh, for another day uh, and he, and in the morning on the next day he grabbed me and says you've got to tell me what you just did and all I'd done is freed him up you know I just put him in a new place where he could suddenly move again uh, and, and it suddenly became natural to him again uh, and when he figured that one out it was wonderful but most people would have been telling him what to do you know put the club here do this do that it's a different way of, it's a different approach but God, it's so much more powerful you were telling me another story that I think would be helpful for the listeners when we uh, had our little pre-call a couple days ago, and it was about this uh, individual who had a terrible golf swing that nobody wanted to play with him. Share that story. It's a wonderful story, and it's almost a little bit sad, and then it's, it's great. So this gentleman came to me, and in his words, he was the worst golfer in the golf club. He'd come for some lessons, and I helped him, and then he sent me an email probably a month after we'd finished and he said I just want to tell you what you've actually done for me and and he said you know I'm the worst golfer in the golf club I would go into the locker room on my own there'd be three people there so, you know do you mind if I play with him they said oh, I'm sorry we've got a fourth person and they'd go off in a three ball because they didn't want to play with him and he says and I knew that he said I used to go to the practice ground and just be terrible uh he says I was thinking of packing it up and I thought we'll give this one last go and he came and I helped him. Then he said, a wonderful thing has just happened to me. He says, not only am I not the worst golfer in the golf club now, I've had the captain of the senior section ring me up and ask me to represent the golf club. So I could now iron my blazer and, and trousers and now I can go and represent the golf club. He says, I can't begin to thank you enough because this is so much more than a golf swing. And I thought, that is so true. You know, it's just changing people's lives. It's not just about hitting the golf ball perfectly. He was so grateful, this gentleman, and a lovely person as well. Yeah. Well, that's a nice segue to one of the things I like to do at the end of each interview is ask some questions that are a little more provocative, a little more uh, 
personal and uh, give the audience a chance to get to know Julian a little bit as an individual and some of the things that have inspired you along the way. So we don't have a lot of time here, so I'll pick a few that I think uh, might be um, the most interesting. So uh, how about as a coach, as a golf instructor, what was the thing that you had to learn along the way or let go of, shall we say, that has made you a better coach? I had to learn about questions. I didn't really, uh, when I first started, I didn't see the value in questions. And then I'll share with you a very wonderful thing that happened. And it was to do with my daughter. And my daughter was at the time four years old, five years old maximum. And every morning, total battle of getting her to clean her teeth. Georgia, go and clean your teeth, go and clean your teeth. And she wouldn't do it as they don't at that age. So I thought, well, how can I use coaching to get her to clean her teeth? So I said, Georgia, what happens if you don't clean your teeth? She says, they go black. I said, so if you didn't want black teeth, what would you have to do? Oh, you have to clean them. So do you clean your teeth enough? She went, no. I said, well, what do you think might happen to your teeth? Well, they could go, but I'm going to go and clean my teeth, Dad. (laughs) (laughs) I've never had a problem with cleaning their teeth thereafter. Is it always that easy? Is the it, it, it's mad. <laughs> so, yeah, le- learning to coach has been the best thing I've ever done. That's great. Other than Brian, uh, who has inspired you the most along the way in your teaching career? I was very, very inspired by Pete Cowan, as you, as you can imagine, and his success. Um, I, I was definitely a, a fan of Ben Hogan. When I was really into Ben Hogan, YouTube wasn't around. It was about finding pictures and something in a magazine that spoke about him and that wonder about the gentleman and, you know, the wee Iceman and some of the stories that you hear, which elevated him in, in my world. And then when Tiger came on the scene, he was just a game changer, wasn't he? He was somebody I admired, and I admired his strength of mind as much as his golfing ability. He was on a different league, wasn't he? Uh, So I would say him, and then since I started to learn to coach, Fred Shoemaker has definitely been an influence as well. I think anybody who does coaching well, not necessarily in golf, in life, uh, I admire those type of people, definitely. Excellent. Best golf book you've ever read? Extraordinary Golf, I think. Uh, yeah, Extraordinary Golf by Fred Shoemaker. Yeah, that does make you think. That, that puts you in a different world. What's one thing that, you, that really stuck with you? Being non-judgmental, I would say. Uh, I think everybody who's, who's stood on a, a golf range is instantly, they hit a bad shot and they're instantly telling themselves what they've done wrong or what they need to do. But just not actually judging what's happened and just being aware of what's happened that is that takes you to another place definitely well that can help you in coaching and also help you as an individual in playing oh definitely yeah sometimes you hit a bad shot it doesn't mean to say your golf swing's broken we've just hit a bad shot you don't have to dissect it and pull it apart and, and rebuild it on the next golf swing it's just not true so not judging yourself is very very powerful yeah that's interesting i've got a friend who uh Good golfer, very good golfer, but he will uh, immediately, first bad shot, he'll start tinkering and start changing his swing in the middle of a tournament, he'll do this. You're going to struggle then. You'll know and your listeners will know is, let's say you've had a bad front nine and on the back nine, oh, to hell with it and I'll just go and play. And then you play an extraordinary back nine and you've just let go of trying, you're not, you've almost given up and then your body works much, much better. But then telling yourself, oh, I've got to do everything in my golf swing just screws it back up again. It it messes with your body and it makes the golf game much more difficult. And then favorite beverage after a round of golf? Do you know what I absolutely love? Playing abroad, so Portugal or Spain, Tenerife, somewhere like that. So you go for coffee in the morning and your breakfast at the golf club, have your round of golf and that pint of lager at the end. (laughs) 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 Oh, that just you only need one and that just puts you in a very happy place There's something so, yeah, about it. Would, it, always, yeah, it always tastes just good the one. <laughs> all right fantastic well this has been delightful a delightful chat 
I thank you so much for sharing uh, some specifics on some of the drills that you do and how you do them. I think the audience is going to be enriched for all of that. So, Julian, thank you so much for uh, taking the time to join the podcast. Oh, Dean, it's an absolute pleasure. And if your listeners are struggling, just type in Easy Swing in Golf on, on YouTube. Loads of videos from all the coaches are on there. And don't poo-poo it. Go and have a look at it and see what you're really capable of doing. It's making a big difference to people's lives. Fantastic. And and in today's modern age, if someone in the U.S. wanted to work with you, how would you suggest that happening? I do a lot of FaceTime lessons now with people in the U.S. So FaceTime or Skype. We do online coaching, which is just exchanging emails and videos. Uh, We do that over a 60-day period, which is good. And to be honest, I have quite a lot of people come over on some of the courses, they make a holiday of it and uh, they come along, in some people's words, on a sabbatical. <laughs> yes, a sabbatical, a golf sabbatical. Yeah, it would be nice to be able to come over there and coach, but it's not that easy with a visa. But hey. I'll be taking one of those myself next late May and June and I'll be up in St. Andrews, so uh, I may be giving you a call. If you've got to drag me up there, you won't <laughs> find much resistance from me. <laughs> All right, that sounds terrific. So again, to reach Julian Miller... And that's Meller, M-E-L-L-O-R. You can go directly to the easiestswing.com. Click on the Coaching Courses tab. And in that, you'll find all the information about Julian's lessons, his services, and how to reach directly out to Julian. If you want to learn more about Julian regarding this specific podcast episode, be sure and go to the SeniorGolferAdvisor.com. And I spell advisor, A-D-V-I-S-O-R. When you get there, you can see the episode on the homepage, but I'd specifically direct you to the podcast episodes tab. When you see that, click on the episode 010, and there also is a brief description of the episode and a read more in bold red. Click on that read more in bold red, and you'll find lots of detail about the show, about Julian. I'll have show notes summary of all the key highlights of this specific episode, So you can follow along while you're listening to the episode. And at the bottom, I always include helpful links that came out of the episode specifically. For example, I'll have a link to uh, the specific YouTube videos that talk about the La Danse du Golf movement that uh, Julian spent quite a bit of time talking about. And then some other helpful links, uh, YouTube video links, specifically about Julian Miller and his teaching. He is terrific in the way he teaches on YouTube. Now, if you'd like to follow the Senior Golfer Advisor, you now can click on the free subscription tab. And again, it is free. And all you need to do is send me your contact information. What I will do is I'll be sure you get all the latest information about the show in the coming weeks and months ahead. You'll be the first to get the announcement that the new show has been launched. And I'm going to be offering some special Uh, offers for certain shows going forward. You'll be the first to know about those as well. Again, thanks for listening and always remember to keep swinging.